So there has been an increasingly rapid change in our culture uh, around the topic of transgenderism. Yeah. Yeah. It's so. been an incredible thing. I, I, I remember um, talking with a group of pastors when I was out for my program at, at Southern mm-hmm. and in Kentucky. And uh, I remember saying to them, this was five years ago. I was like, cause they were talking about transgenderism, you know, what kind of, how big of an issue this was going to be. Is it really that serious? And I yeah. said, I'm from the Bay Area of California, so I'm from your future. Yeah. <laughs> and let me tell you, the future is transgender. Yeah. Like yeah. and there a lot of them were, were surprised by that. I'm mm-hmm. like, this is this is clearly on the rise. And in the last three or so years, we've just seen that acceleration. Yeah. But in areas like ours, it's been a thing for a while. Mm-hmm. But even here, I mean, ten years ago, fifteen years ago, it was I mean, pretty rare that you would right. see this promoted. Mm-hmm. I definitely knew people who were, you know, transgender yeah. uh, in, in quotes. But yeah, this is clearly a very, very pressing issue that's constantly developing and changing. So we want to, with this video, just give some some biblical guidelines on this. I mean, there's so much we could talk about that we're not going to talk about Mm -hmm. in terms of cultural events, um, yeah, different practice and stuff. We just want to simply say, how does the Bible approach this issue? And it starts in Genesis chapter 1. I mean, this is where we go to to understand what it means to be human, yeah. right? Genesis one twenty six, or I'll, I'll just say 127. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Mm-hmm. So when it says man, that's an inclusive term, yeah. right? I know that we don't, we act like we don't know what these things mean anymore. Yeah. Yeah. But of course, <laughs> this is speaking to male and female. And then he clarifies there with saying that man created in the image of God is male and female. So, I mean, male and female is very close, very central to the image of God itself. Right. And the image of God is our responsibility to be God's representatives on the earth. So God, God's made us like him in certain ways so that we can imitate him and how we rule over the creation that he's given to us. Yeah. So male and female are from creation. Mm-hmm. And when God looks at his creation in verse 31, he says it was very good, yeah. very good. So just starting there, we should be so careful to say something that God created very good mm-hmm. is not very good. Yeah. That, is, that, that should cause us a lot of fear if we, we in any way are going against God's word. Yeah, we, we've talked about this before, the idea like, God has the final say on all Absolutely. these things, not our culture, not yeah. anything else. Yes. I mean, that's just foundational to what it means to be a Bible-believing Christian yep. or, or a Christian. That would be another word to say Christian. Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> so, and we should probably expect, as time goes on, for culture and the Word of God to come in more yes. and more conflict. Yeah. It always God. has been in conflict, and it's just going to yeah. increase. So, of course, we're going to be saying things that are shocking and, and countercultural, mm-hmm. but they're the same things we've always been saying. Yes. <laughs> we've always been saying this. So maybe you'll ask, though, okay, so God creates that way, but there's the fall, right? And that's absolutely right. So in Genesis chapter 3, we see the fall of man. And so Satan's temptation to humanity is to subvert God's order. So Mm -hmm. instead of obeying God, to rebel against God and to go our own way. Mm -hmm. And so as a result of that, that fall that man chooses sin over God brings disorder into the world. Mm -hmm. And it means that there are problems in our thinking, there are problems with our bodies, there are problems in the creation around us. Our world is affected by many problems. So, But again, the fall doesn't undo what God has done. It doesn't make bad what God has made good. Mm -hmm. And God still has the place, the image of God inside of us and has still made us male and female. But there there are now deformities, right? 
So even though there are still two genders, mm-hmm. and although you know God creates us in this way, there are deformities in creation. So there are deformities of, yes, genitalia is one of the many things affected by deformities. So there are, they're exceptionally rare, and usually when they occur um, with intersex people, they're actually predominantly one, you know, identified yeah. with one sex or the other. Mm-hmm. But that is a real thing. And there are people who have mental disorders. Right. People who really believe something about themselves that is not true. I mean, it's not just gender dysphoria, as it might be called. There's also body dysmorphia. There's also people who truly believe that they should be able to cut off their arms. Like, that. I'm a one-armed person, so I want the doctor to remove my arm. So how do we deal with that? Well, of course, we wouldn't mutilate someone's body because they Mm -hmm. feel a certain way. They believe a certain thing about themselves. Yeah. So the fall brings in all these complicating issues, but it doesn't change God's original design. It doesn't, doesn't change God's original plan for humanity, mm-hmm. which is that men be men and women be women. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, we, we serve a God of truth, right? Yeah. Not of confusion. And I think that society has gone towards the latter. So. Yeah, exactly. So a couple of verses we can look at that are, I think, helpful. And uh, one is Deuteronomy 22, verse 5. This is the kind of the original verse, and this is so, I think, you know, people are mm-hmm. very shocked by this and offended by it. Mm-hmm. But in Deuteronomy, Moses lays out guidelines mm-hmm. for how we should live. Mm-hmm. So one thing he says in Deuteronomy 22, 5 is he says, A woman shall not wear a man's garment, nor shall a man put on a woman's cloak. For whoever does these things is an abomination to the Lord. Mm-hmm. Okay, so as soon as we go into Deuteronomy and the Old Testament law, people are going to say, that's the Old Covenant, we're in the New Covenant, right. all those laws are gone. Well, okay, hold up, hold up. Mm-hmm. There are certain laws that are eternal, so the moral law of God is eternal. Mm-hmm. So the Ten Commandments, those don't change. The The way you worship, right, the cult, the, the sacrifices, the cleanliness laws, those all do change. Mm-hmm. So how do we know which, which this fits under? Well, actually, for us, this is made incredibly clear because of this language of it being an abomination. Yeah. I mean, this really f- almost feels like one of the most insane overreaches in God's law. If I was being honest about mm-hmm. how, how I would see it. Right, right. Like the word abomination doesn't, it, it, only a few things rise to being called an abomination by God. Mm-hmm. So things like child sacrifice, right? Idolatry, idolatry right. incest, adultery, homosexuality. And then he also includes in this cross-dressing. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a pretty amazing thing. So why is it? Why is it that serious on level with those things? I mean, this is the most serious label mm-hmm. that God gives to a sin in the Old Testament, it being an right. abomination. Yeah. So you so, better pay attention when it Yeah. Shows up. <laughs> I mean, this is a big deal. And I think it's because it's not random, clearly. It's because God cares deeply about keeping male and female distinguished. Mm-hmm. So I don't... Uh, no, this might just be me. I don't think he's talking about like if there were to be a skit or something and someone right. put on like a tutu. Yeah. Uh, I think what he's talking about here is a subversion of the gender roles mm-hmm. of someone trying to become a woman or become a man. That's kind of right. the idea. So this is a very serious thing. Yeah. And it has a big impact on a culture when people confuse male and female, mm-hmm. when, when men try to become women or women try to become men. Yeah. It's incredibly destructive. And really a redefinition of gender is one, a clear way that we can see someone rebelling against God mm-hmm. because you're trying to change something that is fundamental about how God made you. 
Right. And for that reason, it is a very extreme thing. It's, it's idolatry mm-hmm. to the nth degree. Yeah. And to say that you can become a different gender is really to say that you are God and you have creative power over your own life and you're self-defining like God himself is yeah. instead of having identity given to you by God, and that includes gender. Yeah. yeah. And of course, we can see the, the damage of this in our world today. It's not like I'm just saying this is something spiritual, totally divorced from mm-hmm. our lives. I mean, you can oh, you see, see the, the impact yeah. of these poor people who have been lied to, have been told that they should embrace this feeling they have in their in their minds, their hearts, mm-hmm. and make that their identity. Mm-hmm. I mean, people who are transgender are 20 times more likely to commit suicide. Yeah. That is a, I mean, staggering and heartbreaking statistic. Yeah. And after surgery, it doesn't really change. Yeah. Man. So, I mean, that 20 times more likely than the normal population to want to commit suicide. That is an, that's an incredible and incredibly sad thing to realize. Right. Yeah. And so, and so why would we say that it would be loving to affirm people yeah. in, in that decision? You know, it's like, it's the exact opposite, right? It, that's what awaits them. Just a life of, it seems like misery, you know, yeah. and confusion. And of course, there's no way to really quantify this, right? So now you're seeing this, what's called rapid onset gender dysphoria. Right. So especially with young women, is that oh, it's kind yeah. of this mania where people, it's it's popular in different circles. And so mm-hmm. young women are rapidly growing in this identification as transgender. Right. Um, but it's one of those things where this can't be measured. Mm-hmm. This is totally subjective by definition, right? What does it mean to feel like a man? Mm-hmm. Does it mean that you like video games? Does it mean that you mm-hmm. like dirt bikes? Or mm-hmm. Well, none of those things make you a man, and you can right. never know what it feels like to be a man unless you actually are a man, mm-hmm. and vice versa, right? What does it mean to feel like a woman? Does it mean you like yeah. pink, sparkly things? I mean, come on, that's ridiculous. Yeah, That's not what it means to be a woman. So all you of this... You look like Matt Walsh right now. <laughs> <laughs> so all of this is, is very inexact, and it, yeah. it doesn't actually help. So to affirm someone in that is super destructive. Yeah. So that's the first verse that we see. Um, but let's let's go to a few. Let's go to a few others. Um, so uh, I think we also have to say in this before we get into the next verse. But Christians should not simply affirm that male and female are good categories. Mm-hmm. Christians should actually affirm the distinct beauty of male and female. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things that's happened in our culture is that we've kind of erased what it means to be man or woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, especially with women, but it, it, it's also not true with men. I mean, because yeah. women had this very distinct value, which was childbearing, something that mm-hmm. men could never do. Right. And they had uh, they have clearly more skill, more aptitude in the home mm-hmm. and in raising children, all these things than, than men do. Yeah. And of course, all throughout history, women have also worked, mm-hmm. but women are just, they're able in the home and competent in the home in a way that men aren't. Let's just yeah. be real. Yeah. Um, so one of the things is like by erasing that for a lot of women by saying you don't need to ever get married or ever have kids or ever exercise this part of who God might have made you to be. Well, I think you've, you've kind of destroyed gender. And so when it comes to, you know, the, the gender dysphoria or transgenderism, it's like, well, why can't you just become a man or a woman since they're basically the same thing? Yeah, we've we've blurred the lines in our culture so much, and we've said, oh, nothing matters. There's no yeah. differences between the two of these, so you can go back and forth. It doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah, it's a, it's kind of it's kind of a sad thing. But so we not only have to mm-hmm. affirm male and female mm-hmm. as realities, but also affirm the goodness of how God created male and female. Right, that there are distinct strengths that each tend to have. And there are distinct roles that God has created us to fill in the home and in the mm-hmm. church. Yeah. So we shouldn't shy away from that. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting how transgenderism can really like devalue both genders. Uh, yeah, it, it just brings everything down and just say, oh, it, it doesn't matter. When it's like, no, there's such beauty that um, in the way God made us distinct, yeah. you know, and we need to be celebrating that. Celebrate the way like He's created women so competent in these different areas, and celebrate the way He's made men so competent in other ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. We should uplift and praise. The distinct beauty of each gender. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, so that's the Old Testament that we went through. So, what does the New Testament have to say about this? Yeah, this well, topic? let's let's look at Matthew nineteen. It's a verse that we've visited so often in the, on the topic of marriage, mm-hmm. divorce, all these things. But in it, you know, Jesus says something very shocking for our day and age. Right? Mm-hmm. Again, very normal throughout history, but but very shocking for us. He says in Matthew nineteen four. Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female and said, therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. Mm -hmm. So this is unbelievably controversial, right? I mean, what he says here could have gotten Jesus banned from Twitter a couple years ago, right? Like if you said male and female are the only two genders, which is what he's saying here. Yeah. You could be banned from from plight company, right? That's our world today. Is Jesus a bigot? (laughs) (laughs) So he's, what he's saying here is that humanity is male and female. Yeah. Those, it's a binary. Mm -hmm. Yes. In terms of gender, it is a binary. And he's saying that this distinction is the basis for marriage as well. Yeah. Yeah. So two very, very controversial, shocking things. Mm -hmm. But Jesus is reaffirming the same message from the Old Testament. So when Jesus comes, Mm -hmm. he doesn't come to abolish that standard Mm -hmm. or undo the, the morality of the Old Testament. Right. I actually was just talking with someone, I think it was someone who was commenting on one of the videos, they were saying, well, Jesus never, or God never meant for Genesis 2 and the, this design of marriage mm-hmm. to be a permanent state for humanity. Hmm. And I was like, well, Matthew 19 literally says that. Right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> it literally says that. And so when it comes to male and female marriage... I know a guy marriage, who would disagree. <laughs> yeah, I'll go with Jesus on this one. Um, and, and so, so that's kind of one of the key verses that we can go to to say yeah. the same standard, the same ethic is in, in effect in Old and New Testament. Yeah, yeah. Well, so here's another question. I, I'm going to read this verse. This is Galatians 3, 28 through 29. I kind of want to get your th- thoughts on this. It says, there's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There's no male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus, and if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. So yeah. w- what do we do with that, especially the line where it says, there is no male and female? You yeah. Know, it seems, seems like they've checkmated us Yeah, yeah. if they pull this one out. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And that is a common retort, right? Right. Uh, it's kind of a defeater passage for a lot of people. Um, and I think the, the answer is pretty simple, right? So what he's talking about here is clearly not that there's no you know, male or female distinctions mm-hmm. because the Bible talks a lot about Jew and Greek, talks a lot about slave and free, yeah. talks a lot about male and female. All these things are clearly still a reality in how people are, are you know, interacting. Mm-hmm. So race and, or ethnicity, I should say, mm-hmm. and, you know, social status, all these things do matter, mm-hmm. but they don't matter when it comes to salvation in Jesus. Right. And that's the context of this passage. He's saying, it does not matter all these outward distinctions. Everyone is able to be saved in Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. There's there's a open invitation for everyone. Mm-hmm. And so this, of course, yeah, doesn't negate the rest of Scripture, all the rest of Scripture that yeah. affirms male and female and the roles they have in, in the home and in the church. Yeah. If anything, it, it shows us the foundation, which is, again, we all have the image of God, and we all have uh, 
you know, this invitation to find salvation in Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. That's and often, beautiful. and often God will pick the, the lowest in society or mm-hmm. those who are regarded as the lowest. Right. As we see in first Corinthians chapter one. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that, I mean, especially for this time, the idea like, Oh, just because I'm a man, I don't have more priority in salvation or anything yeah. like that. So yeah. yeah, it's good. It's important. Yeah. Let me deal with one other passage too. <clears throat> which might be the last passage someone would expect me to go to because it's probably one of the most confusing passages in the New Testament, which is 1 Corinthians chapter 11, mm-hmm. the passage on head coverings. Right. And while a treatment of this passage would take a lot more space than we have here, mm-hmm. um, granted, there are a few principles that are really clear in this passage. So everyone wants to jump to the head covering. Do we wear head coverings? Do we not? Mm-hmm. Does this mean we should ignore all of the commands of the New Testament because they're all culturally bound? Okay. Right. Totally. I understand that the objections here, but listen to the eternal principles that he goes back to in this passage. Yeah. So in first Corinthians, excuse me, 11, three, he says, but I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ. The head of a wife is her husband and the head of Christ is God. So he's speaking about the roles of man and wife. Mm-hmm. And of course we would say not every woman is subject to every man or has every man as her head. It's literally your husband, right? Yes. So, but there is order within the home. So God has created one to be the leader and one to be the helper. That's how God has created us. So man is supposed to lead and the wife is supposed to help her husband, just like we saw in Genesis chapter two. Mm -hmm. Um, And then he goes on to talk about the importance of head coverings. And in verse seven, he says, for a man ought not to cover his head since he is the image and glory of God, but woman is the glory of man. For man was not made from woman, but woman from man. Neither was man created for woman, but woman for man. Hmm. That is why a wife ought to have a symbol of authority on her head because of the angels. So uh, kind of a long discussion here, but what he's saying is there's a certain way that God has created men to function and women to function, Mm -hmm. and the outward displays that are culturally bound Mm -hmm. should reflect that eternal reality, which is that there's a certain role for men and a certain role for women. There's differences, Mm -hmm. distinctions, and beauty between the two genders. So again, while I would not say that cultural symbol is binding for today, the principle here clearly is. Mm -hmm. So in other words, um, what what are the things in our culture Mm -hmm. that define someone or help us identify someone as a man or as a woman. Mm-hmm. There are certain, I mean, it's definitely getting more and more blurred every day, but there mm-hmm. are certain styles, certain ways yeah. of dressing that identify that person as a female versus a male. And right. so we should embrace that. Yeah. I mean, he goes on, he says, right, um, judge for yourselves, verse 13, is it proper for a wife to pray to God with her head uncovered? Does not nature itself teach you that if a man wears long hair, it is a disgrace to him? Mm-hmm. Or for him, but if a woman has long hair, it is her glory, for her hair is given to, for, to her for a covering. So again, he's pointing to nature itself and saying, there's a certain way God created us that we have distinctions being male and female. And so the way that we act needs to reflect that. The way we, we dress and engage with culture needs to reflect that. We shouldn't seek to erase all those distinctions or boundaries because we're destroying something God has made to be good. Yeah, no, I think that's good. You know, sometimes when we're reading scripture, there can be things that are challenging. We come across something like, oh man, I need to sit with that and understand that. But I think first and foremost, we need to remember we, we serve a good God. His, his law is good. And so, and, and we need to obey it. Right. So that should come first. And then like, we need to sit with these things be like, okay, well, what is, what is his reasoning behind this? Like we, we can see, um, 
that God has reasons for his law and he has reasons for saying things. And the more we study his word, um, the more we can find the beauty in that, right? Yeah. So we can find the beauty in the distinctions between male and female. Yeah, so. absolutely. And so, yeah, and so I would say, yeah, but to recap, the arguments are essentially God created male and female good. Mm-hmm. He reaffirms that in the, mm-hmm. new, in the New Testament. He shows us in Deuteronomy that we should display ourselves as male or female. We shouldn't blur those lines. Mm-hmm. Um, that gender is a good and beautiful thing. And so the distinctions of gender should also be celebrated. Not just that we should say there's male and female, but we should also celebrate what it means to be male and female. Mm-hmm. And then the last thing I would say for those, because I know a lot of people would say, well, I disagree with this or that verse. There is absolutely no part of, in the scripture where these lines are blurred and where that's seen as a good thing. Mm-hmm. And so if you're going to make the argument that someone can change, and if you're a Christian, you're going to say someone can change from male to female mm-hmm. or because someone feels like a female when they're a male, they can they can have the surgery. You're going to have to give me some shred of evidence in scripture because scripture is mm-hmm. clear cover to cover that yep. men are men and women are women and it's it's a good thing and it's for our blessing yeah so what would i say to those who are suffering with what we would call gender dysphoria in the past or those who call themselves transgender right again i'm speaking to for most of this video i'm speaking to kind of big level issues i'm not necessarily addressing individual people if i'm counseling yeah. somebody i'm not just going to give them well this first this first this first yeah. right this is yeah. for information for you but I know some people watching this are going to be struggling with this. Mm-hmm. And so what would I say to them? Well, I would say to you that, um, you know, you, you don't, yeah, I understand you don't feel like the gender that you are, but your identity is not based upon your feelings. Mm-hmm. Your identity is not based upon your sin. Yeah. And you shouldn't seek to change your body to match subjective feelings that could change mm-hmm. tomorrow and that often do, right? That you, you can't engage in rebellion against God and think that that's going to be fruitful. Mm-hmm. And I would point to the words of 2 Corinthians 5, 16, right? Where it says, from now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Mm-hmm. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Mm-hmm. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Yeah. So you're Amen. not defined by your sin. You're not defined by your feelings or temptations or burdens. You're defined as a new creation in Christ if you believe in him. Yeah. So, yeah. so don't engage in the sin. Instead, turn to Christ and find life. I don't know that your temptation struggles will end immediately, but I know that your deepest problems will be solved, which is forgiveness of sin and hope for eternal life. Everything else mm-hmm. is, is details yeah. at the end of the day, yeah. right? If you have a hope that your past has been forgiven and your future is secured, you can learn to deal with the present and you can find support through a godly community around you. Yeah, I, I love that. We serve a God who is making all things new. So that's yeah. great. Um, well, lastly, do you have any recommendations for people who want to look more into this issue? Yeah, so um, there's definitely a few secular books that I think are interesting because I know a lot of people will just say, I kind of want to see more about how this is developing, how things are changing. Mm-hmm. So a couple of books that are maybe two years old, they're, they're, um, and even that means they're outdated to a degree, right? Because yeah. it's changed so fast. But the book Irreversible Damage by Abigail Schreier, again, this is not a Christian book, so I don't necessarily agree with everything in it, but that the how she kind of traces the development of rapid onset gender dysphoria for young women specifically mm-hmm. is super helpful. Yeah. And she's a she's a very critical thinker. It's it's really interesting. The book When Harry Became Sally by, by Ryan Anderson is also a secular book mm-hmm. as far as I understand. Um, I haven't read the entire thing because it felt all really similar to irreversible damage. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a different kind of take on that more general 
And then from a Christian viewpoint, a book that you just have to read is Carl Truman's book, Strange New World, Hmm. which talks about the underlying philosophies and values that have shaped our culture to allow us to arrive at this point where someone could say, I don't feel like my gender. Right, and that makes sense to us. So, really helpful, and I think will give will be instructive for you in navigating uh, conversation on the topic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good to remember there there's evil forces at work in this yep. world, and we need to turn to God for wisdom, for discernment, and to lead us, um, yeah, through this life. Yep.